welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, Backstage Senior Editor and Professional Entertainment Obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. For those of you listening to this, if you feel that attraction to the art of acting, then just do it. Fuck the career. Like, cool, if you want to pursue a career, that's great. Do that too. But don't let that interfere with the real pursuit. The real pursuit is your creative pursuit. It's one that happens inside of yourself. It's not one that happens in Hollywood. Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of In the Envelope. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso. We are going to jump right into it today. No banter, no muss, no fuss. Folks, Oscar season is over. It was an uneventful ceremony where nothing happened and there's nothing more to talk about. We are looking ahead. We're looking ahead to the Tony Awards. We're looking ahead to the Emmy Awards. And honestly, we are looking ahead to just sitting down with some truly wonderful guests coming down the pipeline. That includes today's guest. Um, You might know him from Showtime Super Pumped. You might also know him from one of the other 1,000 things he's been in over the last three decades. I am talking, of course, about the great Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There are a lot of different brands of In the Envelope episode. Uh, There are interviews focused more on craft, on the project, on early career advice. Um, This is one of those episodes, I promise you, where... You will get to the end of it and you will grab whatever camera is closest by and you will start to make your own art. Uh, This is just wall to wall, call to action. This is just, this is the type of thing where it's going to make you want to get off the couch and just make your dang movie already. Uh, So we're just going to get right into it. I'm simply too excited. I am super pumped. I am so sorry about that. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. This podcast is, of course, brought to you by Backstage, the number one source for actors looking to get cast. That is probably you. If you're listening to In the Envelope, there's a pretty good chance you're an actor searching for your next gig. Friends, wonderful listeners, I've got some good news. Backstage is offering 30 days free just for you, our In the Envelope audience. 30 days, totally free. I'm a podcast host. I don't do math, but I do know 30 days for $0 is a pretty good deal. All you got to do is head over to backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code word envelope at checkout. And boom, you have access to thousands of casting notices posted and updated every day. It's all totally filterable. Are you bilingual? Can you dance? Can you juggle? There's probably a gig in there for you somewhere. Just upload a headshot, start applying, and get that dream going. A lot can happen in 30 days, trust me, but first, you gotta subscribe. Get to it. (laughs) 
Joseph Gordon Levitt has been carving out a singular creative path for 30 years and counting. That journey includes a debut in Robert Redford's A River Runs Through It and six seasons of Third Rock from the Sun. Later turns in blockbusters like Inception and game-changing rom-coms like 500 Days of Summer, all the way up to his latest, the electric startup drama Super Pumped, The Battle for Uber. Here is the one and only Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Thank you so much for being here. It's an absolute pleasure. How are you doing today? I'm well, thanks, and thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Where are you? Uh, where in the world are you calling from right now? I see a drum set. I see. I see a lot behind <laughs> you. I know. I know. It's an audio only podcast, but I see. I see a lot happening behind you. Yeah, true enough. This is uh, my my rec room, as I <laughs> named it uh, in my twenties. Yeah. And this is my uh, this is my indulgence, my self splurge. That's probably overkill, but it made me happy. And I don't spend a lot of money on a lot of things, um, but I probably spent too much money on this music room. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, it's also where I, you know, I do my work and I mean, mostly I'm not playing those drums. Mostly I'm like sitting at this desk (laughs) writing emails is mostly what I do in here. It's a good background though. I mean, you know, in terms of, (laughs) in terms of a conversation starter. That's the whole point. Um, so yeah, I, before we jump into everything, you know, I, I can't wait to talk about Super Pumped, uh, and I can't wait to talk about specifically your performance in Super Pumped because it's, it's, it's such a multi-layered thing, but, oh, um, you know, this is backstage. I mean, you're, you're familiar with backstage, you're a former cover star backstage, so you know, <laughs> right. um, you know, we want to, we want to talk about the whole journey. We want to talk about how you've evolved as an actor, everything, you know, that, that got you to where we are right now sitting on this Zoom. And just to, you know, just to start off with, I like to, before I do these interviews, I like to just do a quick scan, you know, of Wikipedia, IMDb. And I I, I must say, you, you kind of have an unbeatable IMDb page. I, when it's all, <laughs> when, it's, when it's all laid out, you know, uh, the collaborators, the, the, the consistency, stuff like that. And I, I'm curious, you know, just, just, just in the most basic, basic terms, when was the last time you looked at your IMDb page? When was the last time you just sort of saw your career laid out in, Oh, wow, that's terms. funny. Um, yeah, you, you've asked a <laughs> an apt question that I don't think anyone's asked me before. Incredible. And, Good um, way to start. If I'm going to answer honestly, it'll also be embarrassingly, which, you know, <laughs> I'm here for. I uh, far too often succumb to uh, self-doubt and listening to those demons in your head that urge you to compare yourself to others. And um, I wish I didn't spend my time doing that. And mostly I don't. But um, now and then they those demons, they get the better of me. And that's <laughs> that's usually when I look up my IMDb pages is when I'm I'm in those throes of like comparing yourself to someone else. And, and look, I, I think it's actually worth saying since this is, like you said, the backstage podcast. And so mm-hmm. I imagine that a lot of folks listening to this are actors um, that are at various stages of their career, some at the very beginning, you know, maybe, you know, some of you have been working a lot and some of you want to work a lot. And it's so easy when you're in the middle of of that game to compare yourself to others. And um, I do it too. (laughs) And uh, it sucks. It's just useless. It's just a waste of my time and my life. And I wish I could train my brain to stop doing that. So, um, 
there's a part of me that sometimes thinks like, no, it's important for me to be competitive. It drives me to, to compare myself to others. Bullshit. That is a total rationalization to just indulge in, in, in useless behavior. So as much as you're able to just stop comparing yourself to other people, I think that's good. Yeah. Well, that, that was going to be sort of my follow-up question is, you know, like I said, I do, we, we love for these podcasts to be a sort of a reflection, you know, and in a, in a more positive way, a reflection, but I do, I do wonder how you see the positive and negatives of, of taking a moment. I, you know, cause it, it, it applies to you and it applies to people, like you said, who are just starting out. What do you get from sort of taking a moment to be like, oh, wow, this is my career or, you know, oh, wow, this is this is basically I'm asking how often you, you kind of sit with the fact that you are who you are and you have achieved <laughs> what you achieve and and what you get out of that, both positive and negative. I mean, I I do my best to this might sound hippy dippy, but I think it's just true. And hippies have some things right, though, not everything. <laughs> uh, I try to focus on gratitude as much as I can. And it's something, you know we talk about a lot in our family, but, uh, and, and I'm grateful for the work I get to do for sure. But I'm first and foremost grateful for a lot of other more fundamental things. Um, I'm, I love my family. I love my, my wife, life partner. I, I love, uh, you know, the fact that I get to live in a house and, and pretty much safe. And, you know, there's no, uh, authoritarian dictators invading my country right now and uh i have i get to eat every day and you know i mean there's just so much to be grateful for and i i as again as corny as it might sound i absolutely think it's worthwhile to try to bring my mind there as often as i can mm -hmm. and yeah so as i mentioned you know we are backstage and we we we, we try and be sort of a, li a life preserve in the, I, I feel like getting into acting, uh, it can often feel like drowning. It can, it can feel like yeah. you're just sort of reaching for something to grab onto. And I'm wondering what were some of your, your earliest life preservers? Like when, when you were, when you were first navigating these, these waters, what was the things you're like, okay, well, at least I have this, I have this to grab on. <laughs> uh, so I'm a bit of an anomalous case in that the early days of my career, I was a child, a young child. I was mm -hmm. six when I first got a job acting. And so I wasn't thinking a lot of the same things or in a lot of these same terms in the early days of my career. By the time I was old enough to have the kind of, uh, I guess, self-awareness that you're talking about, I already was working pretty often. So I don't have the experience of living a life as an adult, needing to support myself uh, and wrestling with, you know, ideas of identity. Who am I? What's the point of my life? Like I wasn't having any of those thoughts when I was first starting out on my acting career. I, my hunch is to be honest that if I hadn't kind of made that progress in my career that early in my life when I was still young, I don't know that I would have done it as an adult starting out trying to be a professional actor as an adult seems to me like a pretty questionable frankly i'm, I'm sorry to say it but like a, a pretty questionable thing and uh, um just because and and let me let me clarify something uh when i say that acting it could be questionable i don't mean the art of acting mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. I mean the career of acting. Yeah. And they're, those are two very different things. And I'll probably return to this a bunch of times over the course of this conversation because I, I just think that that distinction is so important and it's it's not made enough. In fact, a lot in our culture, I think we're more and more conflating those two things, being an artist and being a professional uh, entertainer. They're yeah. two different things. Everybody and anybody can be an artist and... That's not to say everybody's equally skilled or equally talented, but the the pursuit of like digging down into yourself and finding what it is that you have to express and then expressing it, that is an incredibly, I think, worthwhile pursuit for anybody at any time in their life. Um, if acting's the way that you you know have found works best for you, then great. If it's music, then great. If it's drawing, writing, whatever it is you like to do. That I think is just just about as 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 positive and nourishing as anything a human being can do. Trying to work in show business is not. That is yeah. not one of the most positive things that a human being can do. Trying to work in show business is is I think fraught with booby traps and um, poison, and I I don't necessarily recommend it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's fascinating because you know it's it's one of those things you know I I've, I I devour stories of 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 Hollywood. I love I love you know stories of fraught. Uh, the part of the part of me that likes watching fiction is also the part of me that loves hearing about the the real stories. And it, it kind of you come to the conclusion eventually that it's kind of a miracle that any good art reaches the world. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of a miracle <laughs> that any performance survives. It's a miracle that any any movie that feels like it has something to say uh, exists. And yeah, I I love hearing from anyone who can sort of speak to that very, very gray area where it's like, I am an artist. And like you said, that's something that that anybody can say. Uh, But how how you navigate getting as much of that through the business side of it as possible. Yeah, I I think it's it's really only happened a, a small number of times in my life. And I've felt the fulfillment and joy of of doing art many 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 times countless times do it all the time it's a really important part of like my life and what keeps me happy but the number of times that those moments of joy like you said actually make it all the way across the labyrinth of show business to an audience not very many times yeah kind of a miracle yeah yeah yeah, it is because because show business isn't isn't made for that. Mm-hmm. Show business is, is made for taking people's money. Yeah, the the people that are putting up the money to pay the expensive costs of producing a movie, mm-hmm. they they can't afford to care <laughs> if yeah. if it's meaningful or or any of that shit. They just need to get their money back. Yeah, that the, the sort of oxymoron of like the business of art, you know, <laughs> it's the, yeah. because, you know, by by definition, sort of a business means putting parameters on things, you know, it's like we can't go above this this budget. We can't we can't go outside these lines. And it's like, well, you know, the creation process is sort of it can't start with a box. I, I find that very, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's that's I think the challenge. And that's that's what I feel like a, a lot of my skills as as an actor uh 
in the professional realm are exactly that of sort of figuring out how to categorize, figuring out how to exist on, on a movie set. You know, a set is a chaotic place. There's, mm. it's just a, a briar patch of logistical crap. And then somehow you got to kind of keep your focus and not get distracted by all of that mishigas and find a, find your focus and, and, and bring something honest and, and good in, into a performance. And, and so somehow managing to kind of bifurcate is really important, but you have to do both. You can't as an actor, just ignore all the logistics. You can't because otherwise you're not helping anybody. If you're, if you know, you, you deliver a great performance, you know, uh, outside of the studio while you're taking a break, you know, eating a granola bar and you didn't do it while the cameras were rolling and while you were standing on the little piece of tape that's your mark so that all the lights are pointed at you in the right way. Like you have to you have to keep your eye on all of this stuff. And um that's that's kind of the reality. And it's not ideal. But that that that's that's what it is. And I think there's something true about that for, for any kind of artist that there isn't in real life a, a purity. You've got to sort of like handle the real world and, and find the, the purity at the same time. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what, how you've, that has evolved for you, the, the tips and tricks you've learned to, you know, we talk about how kind of to make the, chaos around you disappear when you're committing in the moment mm -hmm. how your ability to do that has evolved over over the course of your career how you did it you know when you were a young actor and how you've mastered it or are still working to master it at this point in your career yeah well all right well it reminds me of a story that i've told before but it, it's appropriate here um about you asked me about early in my career um the first movie I was ever in was uh, called A River Runs Through It, and it's directed by Robert Redford. He's a great actor, and, but he's also a great director. It's the first time I was ever directed by an actor. And uh, we were doing a scene where I had to walk in, hit a mark, and then do some dialogue. And uh, I kept missing my mark. We did a few takes, and I would just walk in and not hit the mark and then do the scene. But, you know, if you're not on your mark, then the shot doesn't look good, and they can't use it. And the cinematographer who actually won the Oscar for cinematography for a river runs through it, uh, a really talented, great artist said to me in a very, you know, nice way that, but that I had to hit my mark. And of course, as we went into the next take, all I was thinking about was hitting <laughs> that mark and I was totally distracted. And, um, Mr. Redford came up to me and just quickly whispered to me, I never hit my marks, <laughs> which of course is not entirely true, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. I'm 10 years old in this picture, you know, mm. and, uh, and we were able to get it and I was able to sort of do both, find that, that simultaneous thing that we're talking about where I was able to hit the mark and able to focus on what I really need to focus on, which is the story and what my character's feeling, etc. As far as how to do that, I I think it comes down to just blunt repetition. You know, this is a cliche, practice makes perfect, but I totally think that's true. 
Uh, and the only reason I think that I'm good at handling sets and being able to, like we said, hit the mark, but also give a, an honest performance is just because I've done it a lot. If you yeah. want to get good at hitting marks, you just have to do it a thousand times. That's all it is. Yeah, it's this kind of, I, and again, this is something we'll probably return to many times for this conversation, but it's that it's that weird split brain thing where, yeah. you know, there is there's just the, the hard data logistics of it. Like, you got to walk from here to here. Yeah. But also, you're like, what choices can I make in the in the moment between you know, action and cut? What what happens? What happens in my brain between the facts of it and the reality of it? Well, that's what, and that's why I think repetition is so important. Is because if you practice and practice and practice and practice and practice, then between action and cut, you don't have to think about it. It it just it becomes muscle memory, and you do it automatically. It's the same with you know people say, how do you learn those lines? It's it's really pretty simple. It's just blunt yeah. repetition. You just have yeah. to do it a lot. And and of course the more you do it then the more you'll get good at doing it and you know I I probably it requires fewer repetitions for me now than it did when I was younger. Um but it's still repetition. And like when I when I practice lines sometimes oftentimes I'm not even acting. I I leave that for later so that it can become spontaneous you, if i'm just drilling just drilling the lines uh just words over and over and over again it, it's it's like forcing your brain to be familiar with it and and that way once it is action and cut sorry like you said between action and cut once they are rolling once it's time to really do the performance and feel the feelings i'm not having to think about the lines it's just a muscle memory thing. Yeah, I think that's the that's the funny thing about podcasts like these. It's the funny thing about what we do at backstage. Is I do think a lot of the time, especially very new actors, they're kind of looking for that magic answer. They're they're looking for the basically the how to act answer, and then that's mm -hmm. the thing that will click in their head. And the answer is usually always you know hard work and repetition. It's yeah. it's, it's kind of that <laughs> that cliche. It's like you Google how to write a book, and it's like well one word after the other. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, that will always be the answer. But I do think you know I I think that that's why it's important to sort of you know not only pull back the curtain but sort of demystify a lot of the process because that in the end will always be the answer. I'm sure for for one in a million people will have a magic experience, but the answer will usually be you know just do it and do it a lot and do it as well as possible. Yeah. And by the way, that's not a letdown. That's good news Yeah, yeah. because that's the meaningful part of the whole thing is the doing it. The results are not the important part. That's not what's going to make, at least for me, that's not what's going to make me happy. And let me just say this another way. And I think this is actually really important. If, 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 if any of you out there listening are, actors or working towards, you know, trying to build a career in acting. I've actually said this many times before, whenever somebody asks me, Hey, I, I want to be an actor. What should I do? Uh, my response is always, okay. The first thing is ask yourself this question. Why, why do you want to be an actor? What is it that you want to do? Is it that you want to walk a red carpet? Is it that you want to like stand on stage at an award ceremony and you want the whole world to know your name? Do you want a million followers? Are those why you want to be an actor? And, and look, I'm not saying that those things I just mentioned aren't seductive. And I'm not saying that I don't 
also feel the appeal of those things. It's only human to feel the appeal of those things, just like it's human to feel the appeal of sugar and heroin and, and other, you know, seductive, addictive things. Mm -hmm. But the other answer that, that you can give is I want to be an actor because I love acting because I really just love doing it. And I love the challenge of it. I love doing it over and over and over again. I love staying up all night alone in my room while I figure out this character. And I love the feeling of once I've finally found it and, and I start reading the lines again for the hundredth time and they click in there, that feeling all alone that no one else is aware of. Just, just, it's just something that I feel that that's the creative process. That's the joy. And, and, uh, and I, I really think that the truth is that those, those sort of bright and shiny external rewards, like a red carpet or a million followers or getting rich or whatever, those things, they're, they're thrilling. They might, you know, they might bring a sense of kind of like euphoria for a time, but they're also fleeting. So I, I do compare it to like a drug, something addictive like sugar or whatever addictive drug you want to say. And you always, you just want more and it's never going to satisfy you. Whereas I, I think if you're finding joy in that creative process, then that's, that's the kind of nourishment that will last you that will just keep you happy, that will help you hit that baseline of, of happiness. And no matter what the ups and downs, uh, whatever the external world is telling you, when the external world gives you acceptance or when the external world gives you rejection or whatever, all of that will just be, you know, kind of, it'll roll off you if you've got the happiness in your own creative process that you get from just having a, a, a regular practice of dropping into that flow state and, and being an artist. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the, the, the IMDB page question is you, you don't go to it to, it's not just the fact that you have an IMDB page. It's the takeaways that you're reflecting on. Like I have created, I have things to show that I have done art i have mm -hmm. i have created art it's it's more of a appreciation than a you know that quick hit of like look at me i'm an actor <laughs> look at me, that's look at me. that's really interesting yeah i think about this all the time actually of um <laughs> i have this kind of story in my head of being old and looking back i mean i'm <laughs> i'm old now and i look back but i mean like being towards the end of my life and uh, and the, in, in this story in my head, there's like a shelf <laughs> and yeah. on the shelf is a bunch of the things that I made. And um, and I think about that story all the time when I'm deciding what I want to spend my time on or what I want to do. I'm like, is that am I going to be glad that that's on the shelf when I'm 140 years old and going to die soon? And I see what you're saying about how an IMDB page can sort of serve as that shelf. But the difference I think that's worth making is that not everybody gets to have an IMDb page. Mm -hmm. That's like, there's sort of the, I don't know who decides who gets to be on an IMDb page, but there's some sort of like, you know, committee or something, some yeah. algorithm. There's always going to be a gatekeeper somewhere. To well, yeah, but, but there doesn't have to be to be an artist. 
that's yeah. that's the thing you can have your shelf of the art that you've created and whether or not and now and i know i i have to admit like that's easy for me to say i have an imdb page it's easy mm -hmm. to say that it doesn't matter whether it's on imdb or not but i i guess all i can say to that is the fact that it's on imdb to me brings me probably as much strife as it does satisfaction <laughs> yeah um and uh the, the more that i'm able to focus not on how the external world sees it and focus more on the 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 more i guess you could say internal or um i don't know the the pure or the just like disregarding the fucking show business and it's just like what is it what's the real that artist self inside of me how does how does that feel the the happier i am can you remember the not the you know not the exact moment but can you remember sort of what when the the switch was was flipped from you know i i want to be this kind of artist i want to when you decided that okay i'm going to uh, this is the kind of art i want to create instead of you know i just want to create art or is that you know is that still again like all of this is that still an ongoing process i mean yeah i try to make it an ongoing process and there, there's there's a few moments that i could talk about i mean you know, the beginning of acting for me goes back to being a, a little kid, but I also, um, I've quit a couple times and, and then started again. The first time I quit is I wanted to take time off to go to college and I quit for about a year. And, and then I realized I wanted to start again, largely because actually I had gotten myself a copy of Final Cut Pro and started editing and editing was just so fun. I yeah. really highly recommend that by the way. And this is another road to go down. It's not quite your question. We can come back to this, but we can go down as many, right? right. <laughs> right. As many roads you want to go down. It's re I, I couldn't recommend more highly for any, anybody who, who is inspired by acting and wants to spend their time acting, learn to edit, learn to make your own things, learn to shoot, learn to edit, make stuff. Don't just act or, at the very least, I guess, find collaborative relationships with people who are doing it. What you shouldn't do, I, I think, is just wait around for professional show business to cast you in a role and limit your creativity to that. You don't need to. You can make great, great films on a phone. So do that. It takes work. It takes a lot of work and it'll show you that actually the the hard part of of making a great film isn't the millions of dollars of budget that's like that's icing on the cake and and the difference between uh a movie that costs millions of dollars to make versus a movie that was just made on some phones and iMovie um the editing you know the free editing software that comes with every apple product the difference between those is like the difference in quality has shrunk to a laughable degree uh and and it probably um forebodes the end of, <laughs> of the movie industry <laughs> yeah. as we know it coming very soon but um but the good news is for people outside of the exclusive click of of the movie and television industry you can totally make stuff that's just about as good. And the, the hard part isn't the big budgets and the dollies and the crews and all that. The hard part is having a good idea and, and, and not just having the idea, but like 
executing on that idea, coming up with a good story and all the beats and performing it and all that. Like that's that's the hard part. And if you can do that, then you then you're way ahead of plenty of people who are in the industry. So so do it. Um, and it was when I got the chance to start editing that I quit college and got back into acting with the hopes of not just acting, but getting to getting to make movies as well. And um, th this was in 2002. And it was kind of at the beginning of when editing software became available to consumers. Now, of course, like I said, it's just on every phone. Um, it was so inspiring. Editing is so much fun, especially having spent uh, a lifetime at that point acting and not getting to edit. You act, you do, you know, you do all these takes and you do all these different camera angles and someone else then puts all that together into your performance. The, the performance the audience sees is, is not just what you did. It's, it's very much a, a collaboration between what you did and the editor, the director, and lots of other people who contributed to the, the final thing that an audience sees. And, um, and so having spent all this time, like putting myself into these performances and then not getting a chance to participate in in so much of the process uh, i was just dying to get get in there and then when i finally was able to do it and and start editing i was so inspired i, I like i said i quit college and and got back into it so that's that's one of the one of the times i also quit more recently uh, i quit for like two years um, when i first had kids and um there's a difference between those two times um the first time I quit to go to college, I told myself, I don't know if I'll ever go back to this. I want to see. I want to remain open-minded. Whereas when I quit uh, as a new dad, I always intended to come back in, in some way um, and feel lucky that I've been able to. Yeah. I, I mean, I love, I, first of all, I love that you brought up editing because I do, I could not agree more. I, I've yet to find something that feels like perfectly matching up a music cue to a cut it's just, mm -hmm. it's just, to, 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 it's, it's just sort of, you know, it's, it feels like, it feels like, uh, I, I've used, I've already used the word, uh, miracle. This is a very dramatic podcast already, but it does, <laughs> it just feels like, it feels like you took two things that, that, that were separate and then you created something. And it's I'm so talking, satisfying. I'm talking like, you know, stock music and like, yeah. you know, stuff you can find on Shutterstock and stuff like that. And I think that, oh, I, I think, I totally know what you mean though. Yeah. I and mean, you know, this is part of, like I mentioned, demystifying it. I think that people, hear the words Final Cut Pro and they that's that's you know it's daunting and it... use iMovie. iMovie is you can do almost everything with iMovie. The yeah. the stuff you can't do in iMovie is negligible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's you know it's shocking how, you know, it's how intuitive it can be. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, if you start with, you know, match the sound to the video, yeah. you're in a you're in a you're in a good spot. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah you you know at this at this point you have you have you've you've kind of had your your hand in every step of the creative process and I'm, I'm curious between acting writing directing producing editing uh it's obviously a different muscle but what what do you find to be the sort of creative constant what is the what is the thing that that sort of weaves away weaves its way through every part of the creative process for you oh that's interesting um well i think uh one way to answer that is because uh, it well one one simple way to answer that is to say acting and maybe that's because it's where I started. But um, like when I'm writing, it's very much like acting. 
because when I'm acting, what I'm doing is uh, trying to understand a character as as well as I can, and then putting myself in the shoes of that character and sort of becoming that character, and 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 naturally feeling what that character would do, what that character would say, how they would behave, how they would talk, walk, etc. And when I'm writing, it's the same. It's understanding these characters. You're making up the characters um, as opposed to having them made up for you. But but it's you still have to understand them. And the hard part actually isn't making up the characters. The hard part is is the acting part. Is, is then, then once you've got them there, then being true to them and putting yourself in the shoes of each of those characters and having them be distinct so that they're not the same as each other. And uh, and then acting them out. And I mean, when I'm when I'm writing, I'm I'm not mostly sitting there typing. I'm mostly like pacing around a room acting. And then when I when it feels right, then I run back to the keyboard and write it down. And it's the same with directing or with editing. You're watching something, and and it's that same kind of I don't know spidey sense. Like it is that. Is that real? Is that that character? Is that what that character would really feel or say or do? Is that how they would behave? And uh, and there's some kind of it's 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 not a logical thing. It's a it's an emotional kind of gut intuition of like yeah that feels right that feels natural or no it doesn't and uh, and so it's that same sense uh, when 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 I'm editing I'm just applying that same sense and if it doesn't quite feel right yet then we go and tinker with it some more and we play it back again and like now it still doesn't feel right tinker with it some more oh yes that does feel right and that that's it's pretty much the same as when i'm working on a scene before shooting we're working on a scene and trying to figure out how am i going to say this what what would i really be thinking feeling doing here and uh yeah so it's it's uh I guess it all, in a way, it comes down to acting, or I guess you could also say it comes down to sort of putting yourself in someone else's shoes, like understanding a character and and trying to embody that character. Yeah, and and you know now that you've now that you you are sort of in this place where you sort of seamlessly going from creator to actor to you know you you have your hands in a lot of pockets at this point. I'm curious, what is it that does get you back into a role? And this will, this will, you know, this is a way to jump into Super Pumped. What is it that that sort of that you're like? Oh, you know what? This is. I want to spend my time with this role. This is this is worth it for me to to embody this person at this point in my career. Yeah, it's well, it's really a case by case basis. I don't think that I have a uh, a formula for you know how I how I decide. Yes, they all check these same boxes. Um, but you brought up super pumped and that it's it probably helps to speak in terms of an example yeah for sure um, like with that one there there are a bunch of things that made me inspired to do it one you know super pumped is based on a real life story uh it's a story of uber and i was playing travis kalanick who's the co-founder and former ceo of uber so that to me is just kind of inspiring and interesting from the get-go because you know it's one of the fastest growing startups ever it it sort of changed the world in some really important ways um in some positive ways and arguably some negative ways 
those ways are particularly fascinating to me. I'm very interested in how technology uh, impacts our world and our culture. So, so all of that was really interesting to me. Then I read the, the book. Well, no, I guess first I read the first script. They had only written a first script when they came to me, so I, I didn't get to read the whole series at first. I just read the first script, and the way that Brian and David write, um, Koppelman and Levine, the way that they write is just fun. It's, it's a lot of fun as an actor. Uh, they write in this sort of half-heightened, kind of fireworks-y, rat-a-tat-tat style of dialogue, and I get a kick out of that kind of thing. Uh, it reminds me actually in a funny way of, of my time working on third rock from the sun, <laughs> very different. Of course, yeah. third rock from the sun was like a, you know, kind of this farcical comedy and, and this is, uh, you know, a, like a boardroom thriller or something, but so, th so they're different, but they're similar in that they're both kind of this heightened larger than life, faster, sharper than any human can really talk thing. And uh, I, I enjoy that. Um, it's not the only style I like. I also like stuff that's, that's you know, that's very realistic. And this isn't that. Um, so that's fun. And, uh, and then when I read the book and, and just learned more about the character, I'm usually intrigued by characters that are complicated and not simple. Uh, meaning they're not just good guys or bad, bad guys. Uh, they have great strengths and great shortcomings. And I, I think I, I relate to that. Not that I have great strengths or great shortcomings, but, but just I think all of us humans can relate to a character that's, that's complicated because all humans are complicated. None of us are all good or all bad and we're all hypocrites and we're all like, you know, uh, co contradicting ourselves all the time. And th that's just the complexity of being a human. And uh, a lot of characters in movies aren't so complicated because it's easier to tell a story about simple characters with heroes and villains and like, you know, maybe the hero has a flaw or whatever that they have to overcome. But it's really just one flaw and it's more of a plot device than it is like a human thing. And um, whereas this character really felt very complicated, uh, there were a lot of things that I admired about the character and a lot of things that where I didn't admire and, and felt, you know, felt like the, there were, there were traits that were blameworthy. And, and I'm saying character, um, you know, obviously this, this character is based on a real life person. Um, and that's another thing that to me is fascinating. Uh, I find myself reading more and more nonfiction these days, more so than I do fiction. Um, I don't know why that that's just something I've found, uh, what I'm drawn to. And, um, and look, this is a dramatization. It's not a documentary. It's not a work of journalism, but it is, um, pretty strictly based on a book that is a work of journalism that was written by a New York times journalist. And, and so all of those things together made this a really fascinating role to dive into. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's, it's such a fascinating, it, it kind of harkens back to everything we've already been talking about, about that sort of split brain approach to acting. Cause it, it, the performance itself kind of feels like it has to be double layered at all times because tra you, you see, you know, you're sort of seeing Travis, he's putting on in a, a performance basically. So it's basically, you know, it's you mm -hmm. as Travis 
as Travis, the CEO. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm curious how you navigated, because you do, you see his grandiose persona, but at the same time, you're seeing why he's doing it. You're seeing that he's doing this to sort of keep himself in that mindset. You're, he's, he's, he's sort of pumping himself up while trying to pump other people up at the same time. I'm, I'm, I'm curious how you navigated that, you know, even moment to moment. Yeah, that's a, that's a really apt observation. He, he is putting on a performance and as are, I think, a great many or all professionals like Travis. I mean, being an entrepreneur is in many ways being a performer. You're, you're all day. What you're doing as an entrepreneur is talking to various people and trying to get them to get on the same page and feel inspired and, you know, work hard and, and deliver. And he's, he's also not always telling the truth, Travis. I, I don't think that's necessarily, uh, how all entrepreneurs have to be. I think there is such a thing as, you know, being able to lead a, a large organization and, and tell the truth consistently. But I do wonder how often that happens amongst the extremely successful. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sad to report. I, I feel like, and th this is also part of what really fascinates me about this story is it, I think, gets bigger than Uber or Travis, it's talking about what are we rewarding? What succeeds in our world and our economy? And this kind of Machiavellian attitude that Travis assumes, you know, we can blame him for it, but he doesn't deserve the blame for that, I don't think, because he's just playing the game that was laid out in front of him. That's the game you kind of have to play in order to be extremely successful in our um, business world today. And um, that's, to me, the thing to criticize is those standards of why is an entrepreneur like Travis required to do whatever it takes to grow his company and and increase you know shareholder value and all that even he has to mistreat people he has to deprioritize the well-being of his employees or his drivers he has to break the law undermine regulations that are supposed to be there to keep people safe even though of course not all government regulations are exactly straight and narrow um but why why is that our our business world and would there be a business world possible that incentivized entrepreneurs to be caring and to take care of everybody even if their profits weren't so skyrocketing what if we considered that success is and maybe that's sort of a, a change that could happen in our economic systems or even maybe even it goes deeper than that it goes to like our culture of of uh, only considering people winners if they're extremely successful. I mean, maybe this goes back to what we were talking about with Hollywood and you know what it means to be an artist and to succeed as an artist. And do you have to be you know a, a, a big movie star with a big you know following on social media in order to be a successful artist? Is that really what it means to succeed, or are there other measures of success that we could focus on? So, to me, this story about Uber touches on all of those questions, and, and that's, I guess, another reason to answer your previous question about why I was inspired to get involved. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's fascinating because, you know, I want to, of course, talk about 
the acting, but what this show what this show makes so clear and what it deals with is how much of that culture is it, it's it's acting like it's theater. Like I feel like these these CEOs they're creating a character, they're putting on a performance, and I feel like it's just sort of this. It's almost like the kind the kind of sort of salesmanship, you know that that tech bullshitting is like the the, the dark <laughs> the dark cousin of acting. You know, it's like yeah. it's kind of like where where they're they're selling something, and you know, I, actors are selling something too, but they're sort of selling a truth. Whereas this is more, you know, selling whatever you need to sell to to. Well, to they're get selling it. the truth depending on what movie they're acting in. I mean, let's be fair. Hollywood <laughs> is, is not always delivering the truth. They, a yeah. lot of what Hollywood delivers to people are uh, is not the truth and is probably not helping. <laughs> on a performance level, though, I am saying that you you the 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 goal is to not it, again, like you said, it's not always to 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 sell a truth, but I think it's to find the truth of the character. Right. Yeah. In in good acting, for sure. And and look, in in good entrepreneurship, same thing. And, and, yeah. And and there are lots of great entrepreneurs and uh, that you could point to who 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 do just that, who are able to tell a story and motivate their company and and the world around them to to change. I mean, but but you are right. I mean, storytelling, whether you're talking about art or business or politics or anything else right storytelling's a uh, a big part of it for better or worse yeah. i mean it's it's funny it's almost like the goal should be uh, to do those things and be a good person you'd think that that would be that would be the goal but it's 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 like you said it that kind of has to operate separately from so many business minded ideals that sort of get in the way yeah i mean it, i i think you you kind of hit the nail on the head of what's the goal yeah and is is the goal to make as much money as you can for yourself is the goal to somehow you know make a positive impact on the world and if so how do you know that you are how it's yeah. not exactly the easiest thing to try to measure like whether or not you even are making a positive impact on the world that's complicated is that do you know that you're making a positive impact on the world because you feel like you're making a positive impact on the world? Or are there some more concrete ways to somehow know or measure it? The, these are all kind of fascinating questions that uh, I think about all the time in terms of being an artist. Like, what's the what's the point of doing this? And <laughs> there's there's definitely there's there's the joy that I get from it, and I I know there's that. And sometimes it feels like, well, maybe that's all it is, but I also like to think that there's another side to it where it's not just the joy I get, but that there's some kind of impact that I'm having on others. And I know that other artists have impacted me. The movies that I've watched or the music I've listened to, the books I've read have had real impacts on me and my life. And so I, I guess I, I, I rest on that. It's pretty vague. <laughs> you, you can't you can't quantify yeah. it, but uh, but I rest on that and knowing like okay, there's there's hopefully some just as I've been impacted by other artists and their work, hopefully my work is having some kind of impact on on other people that's helpful in some way. Yeah, somehow you know somehow we only have five minutes left. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like if we had another hour, we would finally crack you know the human condition and. <laughs> Sure. It would be a couple actors to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was, you know, I, 
I, I don't want to keep rounding back to your IMDb page, but it, it, it does been put the theme. It, I love it. Let's, let's yeah, go. <laughs> it puts in, you know, like I mentioned, it puts into perspective all the collaborators, all the people you've worked with to, to sort of to put a bow on it. What is something throughout this whole thing that you could only that you found that you could only learn by experiencing it yourself? It's not something you learned from one of your many collaborators. It's not something you had to be taught. What's something that you had to experience for yourself as an actor? Uh, to really, to really learn it. Uh, I mean, uh, all of it, and that's and that's the thing, right? I mean, look, it's. I think it's great if if folks are, you know, listening to this podcast and and trying to learn about acting by listening to me talk and or wherever else you're looking to learn. But um, you know, I, to be honest, I, I don't think you're probably gonna learn almost anything about acting uh, unless you just do it. You have to just do it. And you don't have to do it in in, in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> that that's show business does not have a monopoly on creativity. Acting is something you can do right now by yourself. Pick up any book and just start reading it out loud. That feeling you get of like how can I pick up these words off the page and bring them to life? That's acting. And you're not going to really learn much about acting. I don't think I don't think I've learned and look I've had wonderful mentors and I've had great teachers and I've had incredible experiences and and yes have I learned from them Shh, yes but the learning doesn't come in moments where someone's like telling me things mm-hmm. the learning comes from the doing and uh, you know I, I like I said yes I've had the opportunity to do acting in some special uh, scenarios but there's lots of different kinds of special scenarios. I just don't think it, it, it really matters that much. Of uh, it, it matters, but it doesn't matter that much. Whether or not you're, you know, on a big movie set and with, you know, you know, well-known collaborators or 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 not. I've I've had lots of very meaningful experiences completely by myself. I've had lots of very meaningful experiences with, you know, friends who are not professionals. You know, I would like when I was in high school, I was in a band with three dudes I went to high school with some of the most like fun, cathartic, creative time of my life was in that's music that no one ever heard. Well, not no one. We, you know, we played (laughs) some shows for our friends, but like it wasn't it wasn't in a professional setting at all. But it was just is is so I think I still think about it. And and so, yeah, I would just like. To, to put a bow on it, like you said, for, for those of you listening to this, if you feel that that attraction to the art of acting, then just do it. Fuck the career. Like, cool, if you want to pursue a career, that's great. Do it. Do that too. But don't let that interfere with the real pursuit. The real pursuit is your creative pursuit. And it's one that happens inside of yourself. It's not one that happens in Hollywood. Incredible. Well, I'm not going to follow that. Up <laughs> I, think, I think the bow has been tied. Okay. <laughs> uh, but man, thank you. Thank you so much. I, again, this this could not have blown by any faster. Uh, I have a whole list here that that I, that, I did, that I didn't get to. But I think that this this because I'm this, so long winded. I apologize. <laughs> no, I got to learn. Is, uh, I got to learn to be concise. This is the uh, this is the ideal thing we want for for our listeners, which is just people, you know, people. I think I think that the important thing here is to pull back that curtain a little bit demystify it and and once this podcast is over grab your camera 
Yeah. Grab, grab, grab iMovie. And yep. as you as you yourself say, hit record. Yes, sir. Um, and yeah. It. And there we go. Again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this was a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, as always, to our brilliant producer, Jamie Muffet, and to the whole team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. 100% free, you simply cannot beat that. For more exclusive content, find us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who should we interview next to let us know? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another peek in the envelope.